0: I didn't intend for the whole day to be Ukraine, but you know, the president of the United States has been speaking and answering questions all just as I come back on, he leaves the stage. I was going to listen to some of his questions, but he's walking away. Good for him though, answering some questions from reporters. I didn't think he had it in him. I got to say a few things. Some of you won't like, I don't think the president comes off looking good here. I think that the United States could be more aggressive in its sanctions. Again, no one's saying send troops to Ukraine. The president says he's sending troops to NATO allies. He's going to beef up NATO allies. Nobody thinks at this moment that Vladimir Putin is going to storm across the border into Romania or Poland. He's in Ukraine. He's captured. Putin has Chernobyl. While you may be distracted by the nuclear power plant, it's actually a direct line down the Kiev Reservoir to Kiev from Chernobyl. There's nothing stopping him now from taking over Kiev. We expect, the United States does, Kiev to fall within the next 72 hours. It'll probably be sooner than that. And the president uh, wants a whole bunch of sanctions. And he's going to get some. The EU will have to back us up on this. And China, meanwhile, for the first time is opening up its doors to Russian wheat. Uh, The Chinese have banned Russian wheat since the mid-1990s over health concerns. uh, And they're now going to start taking Russian wheat. So China is making way for the Russians in ways they never have before. Biden was asked about trying to get China to help. And he said, quote, I'm not prepared to comment on On that at the moment, there were no SWIFT sanctions. SWIFT banking system processes 40-some-odd million transactions a day. It is how the world does business, through banks. And uh, the European allies could not agree to block SWIFT. Russia will still be able to engage in SWIFT because the Germans have too much money they borrowed to the Russians, and they somehow think they're going to get it back. Vladimir Putin has played this perfectly. Vladimir Putin has played the West, and Vladimir Putin is going to be able to set up shop in Ukraine more likely than not. We are not going to send more arms to Ukraine. We are not going to block... Russia from the financial system. Here is the question from the Wall Street Journal on the Swift banking transactions. If I can rearrange my audio here for you on this one. Here we go. Wall Street Journal. Tarina. Mr. President, you didn't mention SWIFT in your sanctions that you announced. Is there a reason why the U.S. uh, isn't doing that? Is there a disagreement among allies um, regarding SWIFT and whether uh, Russia should be allowed to be a part of it? The sanctions that we have proposed on all their banks have equal consequence, maybe more consequence than SWIFT, number one. Number two, uh, it is always an option, but right now that's not the position that the rest of uh, Europe wishes to take. That's not true. It's not true. Objectively, it is not true that the other banking sanctions on Russia are greater than the SWIFT banking sanctions. If they were greater than the SWIFT banking sanctions, he wouldn't have to say that that wasn't the direction the Europeans wanted to take at this time. It's simply not true. In fact, none of the sanctions will touch Russia's largest bank. They're not touching Russia's largest bank. This is weakness. And you need to understand me. This is not Biden's weakness. This is the West's weakness. This is Europe's weakness too. These were all sanctions the Russians could foresee. Earlier in the show, I had on a caller, Trevor, and he said, you don't do things like advertise in advance. We're not sending troops. And he's right, you don't, but everybody knew we weren't going to. We all know we're not going to send troops to Ukraine. But then you must do some things that are unpredictable to keep them guessing. Thus far, everything the United States and its allies have done is perfectly predictable everything. The idea that Joe Biden is going to move American troops closer to Russian soil and now Russian soil in Ukraine by moving our soldiers further to the east in NATO allies is totally predictable. Vladimir Putin isn't going to invade Poland or Romania tomorrow. He's not going to. For those of you who went to government school and you don't know, Ukraine is bordered to its east entirely by Russia to its north by Belarus, which is an outpost for Russia, to its west by Moldova, Romania, Hungary, Slovakia, and Poland, some of whom are NATO allies. To its south, Ukraine is bordered by the Black Sea. We're not blocking the Black Sea, where Russia has a port at Sevastopol, in Crimea. We're not not blocking that. We're, We're not blocking the Russians from the international banking system. In fact, as much as the president of the United States says they're blocking the Russians from some major technological advances, I want everybody, unless you're driving, unless you're driving, seriously, do this with me. Look up. You may see your ceiling. You may not be outside listening to me. You may see your ceiling, but imagine you see the sky. Up there, whether it's cloudy, you know above the clouds is blue. And above the blue is the black darkness of space. And there in that black darkness, the vacuum cold of space orbits the International Space Station which relies on the Russians to get people home and relies on Russian rockets and relies on Russian technology. And there are Russians and Americans on that space station right now. What are we going to do with the ISS? You can't completely block Russia from the technology because you, the American government, have made yourself dependent on the Russians. We import $700 million of Russian fertilizer a year. We import 500,000 barrels of Russian oil a day. The president says he wants to make these sanctions hard on Russia and not on us. Really? Today, this very day, the Europeans are negotiating with Gazprom, the Russian natural gas monopoly, for more natural gas, yes, that's right. Today, on the day that everyone is imposing sanctions on Russia, the Europeans are buying more natural gas from Russia. You can't make this up. None of this is seriousness. The sanctions from the president of the United States. Oh, the the Biden leg humpers will come out. And say, oh, they're so tough. They're so tough. He's so brave. He's so strong. He's courageous. He's rallying the free world against Russia. And while they're blustering, Europe will be cutting banking deals with Russia through the SWIFT transaction system and buying natural gas. And we here in this country will import Russian oil today and Russian fertilizer today because we're worried about our carbon footprint and we don't want to do it ourselves. If Joe Biden were serious he would re-up the Keystone XL pipeline today. If Joe Biden were serious, he would begin an international convoy of natural gas to Europe so they don't have to buy gas from gas. If Joe Biden were serious, he would be bullying our Western allies into blocking Russia from SWIFT. In fact, I dare say he would be offering to cover the Russian loans so that we could throw them out of SWIFT and Germany wouldn't have to worry about it. On Sunday, Kamala Harris, speaking of Moscow, speaking in Munich, rather, about Moscow, said the purpose of the Biden administration and European sanctions has always been and continues to be deterrence. The purpose of the sanctions is about deterrence. Today, in his speech, Joe Biden says no one expected the sanctions to prevent anything from happening. It's a direct consequence, uh, It's a direct contradiction of what his vice president said the other day. Are they not even on the same page? Kamala Harris got praised by the left. If you listen to MSNBC, you thought she gave a Kennedy-esque or Reagan-esque speech about the Soviets. Instead, she screwed it all up. She got the briefing book wrong. She said things that weren't true. And now look at this. The press secretary is having to be joined by the Deputy National Security Advisor and Deputy National Economic Council Director uh, in order to discuss Joe Biden's sanctions and do damage control of the things he said. Y'all, I'm sorry. What this is doing is emboldening Vladimir Putin and President Xi Jinping of China. That's what's happening here. The president of the United States and the European allies have been listening to an angry teenager from Sweden about their energy policies. And it has led them into the arms of Vladimir Putin, and they can't get out of his grasp now. They have no will to do it. They're more scared about a hypothetical world ending in 10 years that isn't going to happen than they are about Vladimir Putin ending the Western world order today. A friend of mine texted me earlier and said the Europeans would be better off consulting a Ouija board than Greta Thunberg about their energy policies, and yet they can't help themselves. He wasn't wrong. The president of the United States is going to impose sanctions with Western allies on Russia that don't amount to much. It will make it more painful for the Russians, but the president of Russia doesn't care. And the president of Russia is surrounded by people who will help keep him in power. They will round up dissidents. They will jail them. He doesn't care. And the run-up has been so long, just as we supposedly have been working for months, as Joe Biden said, to build an allied coalition for credible sanctions, the Russians for months have been taking steps to make themselves immune and inoculate themselves from the effects of the sanctions. Vladimir Putin weeks ago got his yacht out of a German uh, shipbuilding yard and moved it back to Russian territory so it wouldn't be seized. Do you think the other Russian oligarchs were dumb? And the Chinese are going to help them. The Chinese are emboldened. The Chinese will now come for Taiwan. It's only a matter of time. And they will know we're not going to do anything because why? Uh, Do do you really want your iPhone to be super expensive? Do you really want to stop buying your products from China? No. China knows they can play us now too. It's not just Joe Biden here. It's that the West looks weak and we lack a president of the United States, a leader of the free world who can rally Western allies. Biden doesn't have the moral clarity to do it. He doesn't have the capacity to do it. He doesn't have the capability to do it. He's a doddering old food who may suffer from dementia and it's clear from his statements today. You may not like that characterization. You may think it's bad at a time of war to say that, but it's the God's honest truth. We have only ourselves to blame. The American public chose this path. The American public in 2012 chose Barack Obama over Mitt Romney and signaled its weakness and its willingness to give up the mantle of leader of the free world, let alone the free world. It's been downhill ever since. And it's got us to this moment, where Vladimir Putin can take over a neighbor, and know the West does not have the will to stop him, and the United States does not have the will or the moral clarity to lead. Hello there, it's Eric Erickson. The phone number is eight seven seven nine seven three seven four two five. If you would like to be a part of the program, you need to know a few things at this moment um, that, well, um, you may not get them from anywhere else. One, uh, despite all the media coverage about divisions within the Republican Party, Josh Hawley of Missouri has come out and said he is going to offer up a law Uh, as early as Monday when Congress gets back in to require American energy independence and stop importing Russian oil. Uh, Josh Hawley was presumed to be someone who wouldn't stand up for Ukraine. He not only is, but aggressively so. Two, Joe Biden refused to answer a question on why he and his uh, NATO allies are not personally sanctioning uh, Vladimir Putin. Uh, the, the American allies and the United States are not imposing direct sanctions on Vladimir Putin. When asked that question by a reporter. He immediately pivoted to another reporter and would not answer the qu- question. Three, uh, Joe Biden says he's not prepared to comment on China uh, and what it may do to assist in this matter. China, for its part, is now opening itself to Russian imports for the first time since the 1990s, which kind of tells you what's going on here. For all of the talk in the last 72 hours of the media that the Republicans were very, very divided on Russia, and some of them were Russia-sympathetic, that's not shaping up with the invasion underway. Some of the loud voices on television may be so, but not the elected Republicans, including Josh Hawley. It's not so. Uh, They understand what's at stake here, and what's at stake here is the Western world order. And only those who want China and Russia to be more expansive could be against Russia the Western world order that has fallen into place after World War II. Unfortunately, some of the people naively in the Obama administration, including Robert Gates, the Secretary of State, who or Secretary of Defense, rather, who had been George Bush's last Secretary of Defense, uh, helped uh, fortify a plan that was then approved by Leon Panetta, the next Secretary of Defense, to scrap our two-war doctrine. We reduced the American military largely through attrition Uh, and we have turned the Department of Defense into a subsidy for Boeing. We need to get back to being serious about war because we are now in uncharted, unstable times, and we need better, we should renew the F-22 and get rid of the F-35, among other things, uh, fighter jets. Uh, We need to deploy advanced technologies, and we need to get to growing our military again. And that may require all of us to pay a little more in taxes, but if A little more in taxes to actually building up a bigger military. I may be okay with that. But I don't want to build up a social safety net right now when the world is changing. We need to be building up our military. I think it's it's that clear cut at this point. And there's Republican resolve in Congress to start growing the military again, which we should absolutely do. The question is, do we have the money to be able to do it? Uh, Can we reprioritize uh, paying down some of our national debt? and reprioritizing, uh, cutting some of the social safety net in order to make sure that we have a strong military. We got soft. We got so dominant, we thought that uh, the reason we were dominant had gotten us to a position where we no longer had to uh, be firm with the world. And the moment we lost our grip, the moment the world started going to hell in a handbasket again, we must stay strong and vigilant. Right now, we're not. And I don't know that Joe Biden can do it. I mean, you got to remember for 50 years, Joe Biden has been wrong about every major world event uh, from how to deal with Iraq to getting out of Afghanistan. And Vladimir Putin knows that. And the best the left can do is blame Donald Trump. Donald Trump is not president. Mitch McConnell is not majority leader. And Kevin McCarthy is not speaker of the house. These are all Democrats in charge. They're the leaders right now. And I don't know that they're up to it. Their worldview has never really been aligned with the Western world order either. Uh, these are old school Democrats, and old school Democrats are the ones who are trying to undermine Ronald Reagan's fight against the Soviet Union, including Joe Biden. He was one of those people. So I don't know that he can lead now. May God have mercy on us, because I don't know that our leaders know what they're doing. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. Welcome back. Uh, I want to shift gears slightly. Many of you are probably wondering, what do I tell my kids? If your kids are like my kids, they're coming home from school and there are war and rumor of war. Matthew 24 talks about that. uh, Jesus saying, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see that you are not alarmed. All things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nations will rise, nations will fall. It's all part of life and our human existence. I, so a lot of people, they're discombobulated right now. You will note, uh, they're in a lot of talk of COVID and masks today. Uh, the age of COVID came to an end the moment the Russians invaded Ukraine. We have bigger issues now. Josh Howerton is a pastor and put up an interesting um, thread on social media on Twitter in particular about uh, the church and reality and I want to I want to dive into some of this because the data here is very interesting uh, from uh, a lot of it Barna research. Uh, a lot of times you hear, for example, that uh, evangelicals and the Christian church are not really pro-life, they're just pro-birth, they don't really care about babies after they're born. The data actually shows that conservative Christians in the United States uh, are more likely to adopt than any other population segment, more than double the non-church population when it comes to adoption. We hear that the church is sexually repressive and anti-sex and purity culture, and it turns out people who go to church have more sex more regularly than any other part of the population. We hear that the church is emotionally repressive and destructive to your mental health. Actually, regular church attendance dramatically improves your mental health. The only people in the United States whose mental health improved in 2020 were regular church attendees. We hear that evangelicals don't care about the poor. They only care about their political power. Actually, church-going Christians are exponentially more generous to the poor with their time and their money than the rest of the population. People who attend church services are between 27 and 52 times uh, more likely to give money. I'm sorry, I misread that. Uh, People who attend regular church services 27 to 52 times per year are more than five times likely to give money to the poor than people who don't attend church services. The church is oppressive to women. It's a tool of the patriarchy. Actually, conservative Christian gender tradition church-going women are in the happiest relationships in America and suffer less abuse. Think about that. That's the actual data that women in conservative church denominations who do not allow women pastors are actually far less likely to be abused and are far more likely to say they're in a happy relationship. The less church attendance, the more abuse of women increases. The church is morally backward and bad for society, they tell us, according to the data. The higher the church attendance, the lower the participation in burglary, larceny, robbery, assault, homicide, etc. Uh, churched communities, people in communities that have more church attendance, have less violence and crime. The church is irrelevant or ideologically or emotionally harmful to raising children. Actually, the data suggests regular church attendance significantly decreases all three of the big three dangers of adolescence depression, substance abuse, and sexual promiscuity. The church doesn't help your marriage. Divorce rates are the same. I hear this all the time, that uh, the rate of divorce within the church is the same as the unchurch. Actually, people who attend church regularly are 35% less likely to divorce. Church is a waste of time, people say. Actually, regular church attendance literally gives you more time, increasing life expectancy by up to seven years. Doesn't mean churches are perfect, but the data is contrary to what you probably hear. I know I hear the one all the time that... Um, divorce rate within the church is is the same as out of the church. Actually, that's not true. The divorce rate among self-declared Christians is the same as among those who aren't Christian, but among those who actually attend church, it's far less. Or you hear about uh, the, the the abuse within churches, the, the spousal abuse and the like, actually, Women who go to churches that are complementarian, that is, they believe women complement the husband's role and are not equal to the husband, actually have far less rates of abuse, and those women tend to identify as in happier relationships and have happier marriages. All of what the culture tells you about the church is far different from the actual church from what the data actually shows. Now, this data comes from Pew Research and Barna, two well-respected researchers. This is an appropriate place probably to wrap up the show today, given everything that's going on in, um, in Ukraine with the Russian invasion for this reason. Contrary to what you may hear in popular society, the people who are engaged in a church community tend to be happier, have far less depression, live longer, and have a more positive outlook on life. And that's really important right now because the world seems like it's coming undone. At home and abroad, the world seems like it's coming undone. And it is. The world is supposed to come undone. If you have a Christian worldview or not, you tend to realize that um, not everything stays the same. Things are deeply unsettled. Uh, our land is on tectonic plates that collide into each other and cause earthquakes and volcanoes. The world can be deeply unsettling. If you, if you have a worldview that contemplates sin in the world, you know we're all sinners. And you also know if you've got a Christian worldview, the things of the world hate the things of God. And as the world expands, it hates even more. These are unsettling times. And your children are going to have questions. Our position as parents collectively tends to be keep your children at peace and calm. Keep your children happy. I don't understand the parents, and I know parents who think might as well introduce the kids to the darkness of society. They're going to find it anyway. I know a guy who has a 16 year old son and he uses profanity in his language with his kid and his kid uses profanity all the time, knows enough not to use it at school. Otherwise he'll get in trouble. His kid also looks at pornography. I'm leaving this, I, the identities of the people here, but I want to assure you, I, I know this guy. He's in a marriage, happily married, and he his wife. Their attitude with their kid, they're unchurched, they're progressive, and their attitude is, well, this is what goes on in life. The kid looks at porn on the Internet. They don't do anything to stop it. The kid trash talks with his friends and uses all sorts of profanity even in conversations with his parents, and his parents do too. And their view is that, uh, I mean, This is what he's going to do out of the house. We shouldn't be fake. My view is you should set standards in your house and try to raise your children to comply with those standards. And those standards should include not using profanity, even if the kid's going to use it, even if you use it. Because in polite, common society, you shouldn't. And also, porn is bad and corrupting. Just because a kid may find it. Your kid may smoke, too. You shouldn't go buy your kid his first pack of cigarettes. It's going to harm his lungs. The world does things differently. But assuming you're not that sort of parent, and by the way, I like the guy. I I do. We don't have a lot in common. We don't hang out. Um, He's not someone I would call a friend. I just, I I, I know this person. Assuming you're not that sort of person. Assuming you're kind of a normal parent. You're trying to protect your kid. You don't want your child to grow up too fast. You want your child to have a normal semblance of, of, of life. I sometimes, if I'm honest, I feel a little guilty here. Do you know what my kids hate? Really. Maybe I shouldn't be sharing too much of this. My kids hate elections, they hate elections. They don't like election seasons. One, because of the amount of work that I do, but more, it's because we had people show up at our house to threaten us over an election. My kids were bullied over an election. They lost friends over an election, not because they were involved in the election, but because people didn't like what I was saying about the election in 2016 when I was critical of Trump. My kids don't like elections. Election season comes around and my kids noticeably, visibly get a lancy. They worry. And we do our best to reassure them everything's going to be okay. We don't lie to them. Sometimes we don't tell them the whole truth because we don't want them to worry because we know that it's really not that big of a deal, but the kids will make it into a bigger deal. Right now, a lot of kids are at school talking about war with Russia. And I think you can safely reassure your children that we're not going to war and they are not going to war and no one's going to get drafted. No one's going to Ukraine. We're not going to have a, a Hitler style blitzkrieg across Europe. We're not going to, we're not going to have a massive war with China. Not now, maybe later, but not now. There's no reason to worry about what might happen. Uh, tomorrow's got enough troubles. Today's got enough troubles. Uh, leave the worry to, to God worries us in. But what do you tell your children about what's going on? I think you do need to tell your children that when the United States shows weakness, the rest of the world takes advantage of it. It's a true statement. When the United States shows weakness, the rest of the world does take advantage of it and we must be strong to keep the world stable. But beyond that, there's something else I think you can tell your kids. that wars are a natural part of the world and its existence. And we should not be fearful of them because we are blessed to live where we are. And we should remember the strength of the United States, even still, even in our situation, we're still the strongest nation on the planet. Decline is a choice. We may have made nationally a a choice to decline, but your kids can choose differently. But more than that, I want to come back to this data on the church. Those people who regularly go to church are more at peace with the world. Those people who have a church community live longer than everyone else. Those people who go to church regularly have better mental health than everyone else. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? The Barna Group, which surveys churches, largely says, you know what? Give up trying to bring people back into church who left during the pandemic. I don't think you should. And I think if you're one of those people or you haven't found a church home, there are plenty of them out there. And the data speaks for itself. This is data from Pew Research and from Barna, two globally respected research institutions If you have that worldview and you have that place and you have that community of interest uh, in a church, you are more likely to be charitable to the poor. You are more likely to be in a happy marriage. You're more likely to have more sex. You're more likely to have happier kids. You're more likely to live longer. You're more likely to be more optimistic about the long term. You're more likely to have better mental health. All of these things come from a church community. And by the way, you should understand it's different from other communities out there. There are other communities. There are charitable communities. There are involvements in other civic activities. None of them have this. None of them have this. Member, regular churchgoers are five times more likely to give to the poor. Regular churchgoers are overwhelmingly more likely to adopt than anyone else. They're more likely to have sex. They're more likely to have better mental health. They're more likely to have happier kids. They're more likely to be generous. They're more likely to have happy marriages. They're less likely to divorce. They're more likely to live in a community free of burglary, larceny, robbery, assault, and homicide. They're less likely to be one of the people who who commits those crimes as well. Their children are less likely to suffer from depression, substance abuse, and sexual promiscuity. There's a real difference there, and you should remember there's a real difference there, and you can come up with your own reasons why I I have my theory, but I will tell you if you're struggling, if you're stressed out, if you're worried, if you're fretful, find yourself a church community and make it your community because the data, the objective data from Barna, a Christian surveyor, and from Pew, a secular researcher, All shows the same thing. Your world will be better when you show up at a community on Sunday and make it your home. We can come up with different reasons why, but what we can't dispute is the data from inside and outside the church all shows the same thing. And when the world is discombobulated and upside down, reminds me after 9 11, churches were filled up. In COVID, they emptied out. Maybe if you're struggling right now and your kids are fretful, introduce them to one of those communities and build a community there yourself where your worldview can change and you can find some peace in a chaotic world. Now, you can also clean up the air in your house and make that a little less chaotic by getting the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm actually cleans the air. doesn't mask the odors in your house. I use this in our kitchen because we don't have an exhaust vent in our kitchen. It broke. It's one of those that actually went down instead of up and they're hard to replace. And so we just got a new range, put it on top of it, didn't worry about it. And instead of using essential oils, we use the Eden Pure Thunderstorm because it eliminates the odors. Particularly if I fry shrimp or something, they're gone. But it also cleans the air because it's an air purifier. So it gets rid of the mildew, the mold, the bacteria, the pollen. What you do is you go to Edenpuredeals.com and you will be met when you do that on the website. You'll be met with a box that says what's your discount code? And you put in Eric 3, E R I C K three. That will lead you directly to the Eden Pure Thunderstorm three pack. You put those in your cart, and at checkout, you'll see the discount code box again. And you put in ERIC3 right there, and you get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms. You get all three of them by and save $200. You get all three of them for less than $200, and you get free shipping. You get one for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for your basement or your car, your RV, your hotel room. Carry it with you. I carry mine around. I travel with mine because it eliminates odors. If I stay in a hotel room where someone's been smoking or weed, you name it, it eliminates the odors. It works. Edenpuredeals.com. The discount code is Eric Three. Get the Eden Pure Thunderstore for less than two hundred dollars. Save two hundred dollars. Get free shipping with the discount code Eric3 at EdenPureDeals.com. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson show too late to take your phone calls today. Look, we'll open the phone lines tomorrow. A lot of you have just wanted to listen. I know because I'm seeing your emails come through. Uh, You can always get the podcast. If you want to go back and re-listen to something, I know I've had a lot of history lessons for you in the last few days that people have been interested in. If you text the word show to 33777, you'll get a link back for Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it, uh, so that you can get the show. Text the word show to 33777 and you can subscribe. Uh, You probably should subscribe. Uh, This is going to play out over the next week or so, and I think what's going to happen, if I had to call it, I don't think you're going to see the Russians retreat at this point. I think they take Kiev and set up a new government, possibly kill the president of, of Ukraine, be in prayer for him. Um, and the allies twiddle their thumbs that only emboldens, uh, Eastern powers. And we should be concerned about that. Pray for the people of Ukraine for sure. Uh, got a report from a friend of mine who said they know of a Southern Baptist minister in Kiev who drove his family into Poland and turned around so he could be with his, uh, church members and comfort and aid them while they're there. So a lot of people doing that there, these stories will keep trickling out. It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. You got the economy. You got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building, you want to build a building. Reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can.